This is the Rising Tide Startups Podcast, where we chat with startup founders from all over the globe to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Every episode of Rising Tide Startups is sponsored by Podbrand Media. Let Podbrand create and host your company-branded podcast. Learn more at podbrandmedia.com. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And once again, I am breaking new ground. I have found another country on the globe that we have never had a guest from, but I'm excited to introduce you to Andreas Floodstrom. Andreas, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you very much for having me. So he actually told me how to pronounce his name and then my brain, you know, got tangled up and with my American accent. So uh, he's he's graciously going to allow me to butcher his name uh, during that. But I'll try to just say Andreas from here on out. But if you and I met at a networking event, Andreas, how would you introduce yourself to me? So I would probably introduce myself as an um, as an entrepreneur. Uh, I would introduce myself as Swedish. Uh, however, I would quickly tell that I've been living the last most of my last eleven years in Ukraine, and that's also where I sort of started and started to build our our business from. An engineer, I would probably not tell that. That's a fact. And yeah, I mean, sort of um, person gen generally excited about life. Excited about the, the the challenges and the uh, opportunities of, of this this world. So, and a serial entrepreneur, obviously. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I kind of started many small failed ventures during my study years, and then I started Beetroot, which is the current uh, activity, eleven years ago, and that's been going going since. So basically, that was sort of a my it was actually my master thesis from from my uh, university, and it just continued going. So was it was that like an a just like the equivalent of maybe an MBA? Or was it a like a entrepreneurial masters? Or what was the what was the course? Yes, yeah, so, so I studied engineering. And then we had a master called Chalmers School of Entrepreneurship, yeah. a great master program where the idea is actually that you should sort of take some innovation from academy and commercialize it. That's not exactly what we did, but at least we set up a technology company during the student years. And I basically, me and my co-founder Gustav, we essentially moved to Ukraine from Sweden while, while I was still in that uh, master program. Now, the Chalmers Institute has a history or, a, or I guess a reputation of, of like social entrepreneurship as well. Is that, isn't that correct? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And and that's also sort of, I mean, for me, starting the business, we even before knowing exactly what we would do, we knew that we wanted to go somewhere to Eastern Europe, and we wanted to set up a business that had a social positive impact. That was sort of the, the core <laughs> criteria. And then we kind of started to go through what could we do, where can our impact be, and, and, and so on. So it was very, so maybe not the typical starting point in, in that sense, but... Right. So what, what was the, what was the driver? What was, you know, nobody just wakes up one day and says, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving Sweden. I'm just going to move to Ukraine and, and we're just going to start this. So what were kind of the steps that, that I guess led to this? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's a combination of, of factors. Of course, Sweden is fantastic in, in, in many different ways, but being like, you know, 24 years old as I was at the time and, and uh, had been starting to travel in Eastern Europe, I found it super, super exciting and just like a place of opportunities and, and, and so on. So 
I guess a fair amount of adventureness uh, in, in somewhere, and and also sort of a feeling that, hey, this is somewhere we can we can make a difference here in in some way. We don't know exactly how, but we have a good gut feeling about it. And so we kind of started traveling around through all the different countries of the region and got kind of hooked by Ukraine. And we felt that wow, these these you know these people have something like there is some special drive. There is some certain openness and we kind of just felt really really welcome and and so what's from the very start i mean we were in the master i was in the master we said okay we're going to try this for a year we didn't really know what we were doing <laughs> from mm. the beginning and uh, you know eventually just kept you know we kept it started from this very very low key like we were basically living on an office floor from one student scholarship so when you study in sweden you get some scholarships so we basically that was our starting funds of right. the business and yeah so we were traveling around in this like old soviet car and <laughs> so it was very much an adventure that eventually turned into something i think more important i, I love that you're in an old soviet car just I, and and you use the word adventure i mean that that truly you you painted the picture for us that you know just say two guys sleeping on an office floor it, driving a car that probably breaks down about every hundred miles or hundred kilometers. Oh, yeah. You gotta, you gotta do something else to the, to it. We but... probably spent more time in the car workshop the first year than, than in front of our computers. <laughs> but we also traveled, you know, all these Soviet trains and there was like, I mean, there was just, we were, you know, we had a lot of fun. Like let's, let's put it that way. Those are the kind of things that stories are built on, you know, the histories of companies are built on, you know, that that's what the whole idea of, you know, some of the greatest companies in the world were started in a garage, you know, so uh, you you even have your own garage story. But what is what was the idea behind Beetroot? You kind of mentioned it was like your master's thesis, but was it I mean, I, I'm sure it's pivoted since then, you know, in, in some degrees. But what was the basic idea? But. Basically, it's just evolved, I think. So so the idea was, I mean, okay, so from the beginning, it's like we call it a field study in social entrepreneurship. We didn't even know what we were doing, but then we were evaluating a bunch of different ideas. And, and we kind of started to think like, okay, let's dig from where we are and from where we can see a direct impact here and now. And that was essentially, to put it simple, we found some great people, great engineers back in Ukraine, and we had this network of startups back in Sweden who needed that. And so, so it's very, I mean, very simple from the beginning, like starting to sort of experiment from where we were standing, but then sort of gradually evolving this to a more mm -hmm. sort of sophisticated tech ecosystem for, for impact. But the, the basic idea is sort of, I mean, collect good people, do good things together and build it like very much on the culture. So sort of attracting people who are attracted by mission of, of, of impact. So, mm -hmm. so in a way, I mean, so our ecosystem now, they have a couple of different legs. The main, like the biggest leg in terms of business as of today is sort of the tech consultancy. So we help impact oriented companies from all over the world. Well, I mean, at least from 25 countries in the world right. with building software in climate tech, ed tech, e-health uh, and and other industries but sort of we try to try to make sustainability and impact the sort of the uniting force of, mm -hmm. of, of everything we do from what type of clients we work to to how we treat our people how we work with the learning and development how we uh, make sure that we grow in sort of the regions where maybe tech is not so developed and, and so on and so forth so that's the one leg and then the other huge impact leg is Beetroot Academy, where we essentially 
again, to put it simple, I mean, we help people to build a successful career in tech. Also, that started low-key, you know, one group of people, we're teaching it, we're building it in a mid-sized city, and it's grown to today we are in Ukraine, we are teaching around 5% of all the new tech specialists. Wow. And for those who don't know, I mean, Ukraine is actually the leading or maybe one of the leading at least tech countries in Europe these days mm -hmm. when it comes to the competency and and so on. Uh, so we're like a major force there and nowadays growing it to other countries in Europe. And we have this hope to soon launch again, low key, but we, mm -hmm. we're like gradually moving towards the US market as well. And so that's the academy, the software service, that's already sort of two pieces of the ecosystem. Before the full-scale war in Ukraine, we used to have a tech hub as well. So we used mm -hmm. to run this big tech hub in Mariupol in eastern Ukraine. And for those who follow the news, you would know that Mariupol is, I mean, barely there as a city anymore. It's been yeah. destroyed, unfortunately, yeah. yes, that's, that's, that's our hub. But with the start of the war, First, luckily, we managed to get everyone out of there and so on. But uh, yeah, we also started an aid fund where we sort of use our ecosystem to support various grassroots initiatives, including trying to make that sort of tech oriented. So, so it's sort of little bits of pieces, but the main things are like, you know, we're helping impact oriented software companies with building building their products. It could be mobile apps, it could be websites. Um, in a way, a class, I mean, a very, I mean, we have many, many competitors out there in the world, but then mm -hmm. I guess the sophistication is with uh, also being able to teach people. I mean, of course, we teach for the whole market, not just for ourselves. Uh, and yeah, sort of like really working hard with making impact as part of our, not only like client base, but really like our mindset in, in everything we do and so on and so forth. I, uh, like the idea you're almost feeding your own supply you know you're you're generate you're training people to also to be able to place them you know at the, at the same time so you mentioned primarily like ed tech and and environmental tech and so is it only in kind of social socially looking enterprises or would you place people virtually anywhere i mean we wouldn't put, put it so we wouldn't work on anything, obviously. I mean, we we have we are avoiding certain certain industries for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, I would like to say that we can pick our clients completely. I mean, of course, I mean we have our sort of favorite list of of impact uh, yeah. <laughs> clients and so yeah. on. So, but I mean, essentially, no. I mean, I would say that essentially, if we don't feel that the company we are working or are supposed to work with has a positive impact. Uh, in in mm -hmm. the world in, yeah. in some way, then then it's probably not our client. But of course, I mean there are many different angles of that, and we also work. I mean, I mentioned our three core industries, but mm -hmm. in reality, I mean we work with it's many different than that. Yeah, we work with automotive and self-driving cars, electric vehicles, like so fintech products. But then fintech can be, I mean, depending on what it is, it can be good or it could be evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's more about, do we feel like deep inside that this is contributing to a better world or not? Yeah. If yes, then it's a bit reclined. And that's also, I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves because that's also how we attract people to, to, mm -hmm. to ourselves. 
And it's no, they're, you know, you're avoiding that conflict, you know, with, with other clients that you would, you would hire on. But I, I love the way you just described the FinTech because as, as I look at my retirement accounts, I'm thinking it is either good or evil, depending <laughs> on whether it's going up or down. So there is, exactly. that's a great way to describe it. I'm, from now on, I'm going to look at the, the market is evil today because my, my retirement account went, went down. So yes, I, I love that description. And now here's a quick word from one of our new sponsors on Rising Tide Startups. Have you been wanting to start a podcast, but not sure where to start? Well, now you can start a podcast in less than 24 hours. I'm David Ezel, and I'll walk you through all of the things that you need to get started today. Things like how to choose the right microphone, how to edit your audio, and how to find guests and build a pipeline of future guests. This course does a great job of keeping things high level while also diving into the things that keep most people from starting. Even better, if you use the code RISING at checkout, you'll get 20% off your purchase. But that's only if you use the code RISING at checkout. What are you waiting for? Start your podcast today. What's the biggest hurdle that you would face, you know, trying to promote Ukrainian tech stars, you know, around the world? Is there a is there a pro or biased view of Eastern European software engineers? Is it because of you know COVID now we're at a, we more of a global village and people are working asynchronously? I mean, what's the current, I guess, status or current uh, state of the of the market globally? Okay. Well, okay. That's uh, many, many. That's a lot, a lot of questions in one, yeah. one sentence there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Let's start with, I mean, we've been doing this for 11 years. So, I mean, we picked, so first of all, we picked Ukraine because we compared it with other countries in the region and we felt that this is the best place to be. Yeah. Both like sort of as a gut feeling and then sort of a subjective thing, but mm -hmm. also an right. objective sort of, I mean, we actually made analysis and felt that UK, Ukraine is a, powerhouse of, of you know brains and and sort of the whole sort of people so many people who so many talented people who focuses on that industry uh, i i mean 10 years ago i didn't feel that ukraine was i mean we had to explain a lot why you know ukrainian engineers were good i think in the last five years that really sort of exponentially took off and mm -hmm. ukrainians and eastern europeans gained this sort of world reputation mm -hmm. uh, of being extremely talented uh, especially when it came to sort of the deep sort of engineering mindset and, and and so on i guess to name the elephant in the room having a full-scale war in our main location is mm -hmm. is is a big challenge and i mean of course, I mean, when it started, we didn't really know anything. Like, will we, so, I mean, we had, you know, contingency plans, but nobody really, like, sort of, you, you don't really, even if you make plans for war, like, it, it's sort of nothing what you would expect and, and, and so on and so forth. So, so I mean, for the first days and weeks, it was more like, will we survive? I mean, not as a company, but physically, like, will, mm -hmm, I mean, right. will we be able to get everyone out of, of, um, various territories that are bombed and so on but then we really of course i mean first days i didn't even think about the company and then after some days you're like okay maybe you know maybe we actually can use the fact that we are here and do something important with it so we also started actually an aid fund in the very early days of the war and we also realized quite quickly that i mean 
people are so resilient and and sort of the fact that you mm-hmm. can go go to your work earn your money you know support your army your family and friends and so on it actually becomes even more important in in the situation of war and then sort of we learned through this one and a half year uh, how to operate in, in this environment like you know how to act when the air alarm goes off when the electricity goes mm-hmm. off you have the generators and the starlings up and running so sort of i would say that right now we don't have any issues operation any major issues operationally mm-hmm. in relation to the war but of course it is harder to sell to uh, to the world that's like yeah we have a full-scale war where we're delivered from but you know everything's good and the truth is that i mean we have had extremely loyal clients many of them growing with us and we even like managed to grow a little bit in total over this mm-hmm. period so, but of course it's it's a different environment and also i mean as many others i think we feel a little bit of the global i mean it, I wouldn't even call, I thought we'll call it sort of a rebalancing because we had the COVID years mm-hmm. and sort of things were just like, right. I don't know what to call it, on anabola, like in some, mm-hmm. just like boosted to the max. And now as things are sort of resettling a little bit. And then you have, of course, like, I mean, anyone in our industries, we are looking at the trends, like, you know, what can we do in AI? Like we have some mm-hmm. really cool experience, but... Mm-hmm. Then you look at it like how can we implement it in our learning management platform in yeah. the academy so we have all of the i mean of course same challenges and then but of course you know in in a way like even though nowadays we have offices in poland and in bulgaria and spread but still like two-thirds of our people are in in ukraine and mm-hmm. and that's our daily reality i mean i spend at least one hour per day reading news and sort of just following what's happening and and to some extent the work that we're doing <laughs> even when we're building, you know, climate tech software for someone, mm-hmm. to some extent, I mean, we're also, everything we're doing is also related to sort of Ukrainian resilience and being able to for sure. uh, continue function as a independent, free country. And, and individuals eventually. as well. I mean, there's got to be, I mean, you mentioned it a minute ago, there's got to be, it's almost like adding a little bit of normalcy back to them in in the midst of chaos you know so what what is your i mean because you have such a kind of an insider's view what is your what is your take what's it what's it going to look like long term do you think i think so so from a ukrainian perspective and this is i mean of course very much about ukraine uh, there is really only one way forward and that's for ukraine to become fully free you know Mm -hmm. free territory Mm -hmm of the occupation from from russia and that's really the mindset like i don't see any sort of diverging from that mm-hmm. i hear a lot of western leaders talking about this negotiation mm-hmm. that and, and mm-hmm. so on to make a deal with but but really like i think ukrainians have fought for hundreds of years and mm-hmm. sort of really have just you know we made up our mind this is what we want this is not what we don't want and we're gonna i mean at, unfortunately at a very high costs of, of, of you know human suffering and everything but yeah. but it's just uh, but but i mean if to come connected a little bit i think that again i mean we came as an impact oriented company and we did not in any way expect that we would end up you know living or being in in this like war zone mm-hmm. essentially but the fact that we have had this impact id from start has made us also more resilient, I, mm-hmm. I think, because we mm-hmm. we gathered people who had this, you know, maybe slightly even idealistic view on, on many things. And mm-hmm. then 
uh, also the way we structure the company and the culture that we try to be very decentralized in decision making. Yeah. So even though we're like 500 people, so mid-sized company, we have a lot of decision making within different units. And when the war started, we were like, I was like, okay, this is like, I don't know how this works, but I know that there is a lot of decisions that have to be made. So it was just like told our team that, okay, use whatever company funds you need, if you need it for people's safety or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so basically like thousands of decisions being taken. And also I would say that the whole tech industry and the growth of that uh, has had and has a really important factor in the mindset because it's a, essentially it's a way to if to take ukrainian economy let's say before the war or like i mean it's you had the old industries you had a generally sort of partly dysfunctional economy with with challenges their corruptions and so on and then you have this tech industry where you sort of if you're talented you just connect to the global economy mm -hmm. and you can live in a western living standard in ukraine and and that changes not only from a financial perspective, but it changes the mindset when you have this connection to the whole world. No doubt. So about I mean, it. I would. Yeah. And, and if you go out, I mean, if you go out in a village, I was in a village in Ukraine last week. If you go out in a village and ask a, a grandma in the village, like, what do you think your your kids should do, and they will tell you, think they should go to tech because mm. that's apparently where all the opportunities are. So mm -hmm. that sort of became a thing, yeah. and also how in their DNA. Uh, yeah, exactly, and and yeah. the sort of how the government has also changed in i mean it's no secret ukraine has had still has a lot of problems right mm -hmm. a lot of corruption for example mm -hmm. but by transforming it with digital tools for example having mm -hmm. all your government services in one app much more comfortable in ukraine than i have it in sweden mm -hmm. that's just cuts out the whole sort of issue of corruption in, in many aspects and of course i mean again sad as it is but but of course the the war also triggers all of this i mean it it, it, it uh, sort of mobilizes the whole society and of course it's important to, to have strong tech specialists in war because there's a lot of innovation going on there's a lot of and uh, digital warfare and there is drones and there is like mm -hmm. so i mean again as sad as it is but yeah i i just remain a strong believer in in ukraine of course um there is no i mean the more I spend time with in this country with these people, and the more I see how how Ukrainians are able to stand up towards, I mean, the worst of challenges. I, I'm less, more and more convinced that Ukraine is going to be successful. It's going to be free. It's going to be good, but of course, it comes at a tremendous cost. So right, yeah, yeah. there's there's no doubt about that. I um, I appreciate you you kind of delving into a, a difficult subject there, but. Um, you mentioned you mentioned a second ago. You said five hundred. Is that five hundred beetroot staff? Is that what's that five hundred number? And what does it what does it look like? Describe that that number and what what those roles are and where they are. So that not, would not be in, not granularly, but just kind of in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be around four hundred people, like four hundred engineers who work with different clients throughout the world, and then so these are um, placements. Yeah, yeah, it's like full time. Yeah, full time engagement in in uh, you know in various uh, scale ups enterprises. I mean, it's, it's quite broad, but but those mm -hmm. are the ones who sort of work with this climate tech or ed tech or e health companies. So that's uh, around four hundred people, and then of course, I mean, we have a lot of you know we have admin, legal, HR, sustainability. Like we have different sort of 
functions in Beetroot the tech company. And then you have Beetroot Academy, which is actually a separate, it's a separate legal entity, but functioning in the same ecosystem. And in Beetroot Academy, we would be around 50 full-time staff. And wow. anything from, I mean, like 10 people constantly working with developing our product, our mm -hmm. course materials. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have people working with the teachers because it's sort of a boot camp mm -hmm. style. And, and, and then you have, on top of that, you have around 150 teachers who are part-time. So I guess when and I is that all virtual class, or is that on site or is both some combination? Oh, it's of... virtual. Now this yeah. is virtual. So before COVID, we we had nineteen Peter academies, like mm -hmm. physical centers. Mm -hmm. People would go there and sit, and the teacher right. would be there, and so on, which was amazing for building a community and so on. But then COVID sort of forced us to go full online. Uh, I was skeptical, but I was proven wrong. We <laughs> for some time we were running offline and online in parallel. And it turned out that we are actually better in, in teaching online, um, but it's still it's online on our platform, but still sort of uh, partly teacher-led. So it's a flipped class classroom model where we have some material, like we constantly produce new materials. I mean, this mm -hmm. is like fresh knowledge, right? So, I mean, for example, right now we've been spending the whole summer pushing out new AI modules mm -hmm. and, and, and stuff like that. So, so we have this team who constantly push out new materials uh, used in the courses, but then in, you are also in a group of like 15 people and you have a, um, a teacher or a mentor mm -hmm. who, who supports you in the process. And that would be, uh, yeah, basically virtual teachers. And again, nowadays, it's not only Ukraine, but we had like, let's say last year, if we had like almost 4,000 students, say 3,500 was in Ukraine and 500 outside. So that's sort of, and that amount is, is, is growing. And, and really like my, because what, what I, I mean, I see, I mean, I know a lot of these people personally, right? And I can see the difference we can make in someone's life from, you know, you have this sort of, I don't know, job where you're stuck and you cannot really earn a good living and so on. And then we managed within four months to sort of turn you into a completely different mm -hmm. reality. Of course, it's with your own hard work yep. put in there. We can yep. only you know give you the tools, but then you see the change that makes. And I'm thinking like, wow, if we can do that, I mean, we already did it tens of thousands of times, but if we can do that hundreds of thousands or mm -hmm. millions of thousands in, mm -hmm. throughout sort of throughout the world, because again, like the tech market is global and uh, it, it, you know, the amount of impact giving that skill set gives uh, can differ a little bit from different regions, but essentially it's like huge. Even, I mean, again, financial is just once, but just as an illustration, in Ukraine, the average salary in tech would be around five times the average salary in the country. Mm -hmm. That means that the average wow. salary in the country is very low, Yeah. but the average salary in tech is, this is a decent living. Like you're yeah. a... You're a global citizen. You can do, you can but do by what you Western want, but standards. It may be still, you know, lower than, of course, than I say, mean, you know, Western Europe. Of of course, it's still. I mean, if, of course, there is a factor of of. It's interesting because it's yes, it's cheaper, like cheaper. <laughs> I don't like the word, but mm -hmm. so it's it's less expensive, but the living standard you would get from that money locally, is. Yeah actually higher than you get as a, I don't know, senior right, software developer right. in Silicon Valley or in Stockholm sure. or whatever. The, the real mm -hmm. impact of the salary is actually better probably in that. In exactly. That yeah. Than, so, than, so, um, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of this. No like, wonder you went to Ukraine. You got tired of paying those high taxes. And <laughs> 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 I 
No, but the, the, I mean, of course, then we also, I mean, in the academy, of course, what we teach is technical skills, but then mm -hmm. we also, we try to put in this sort of mindset, again, of sustainability and impact, because if mm -hmm. you, if you suddenly earn five times more than the average in your country, suddenly it's not only about you making a class journey, it's also about you taking responsibility in your society, right? You right. have, I mean, this community of graduates uh, we have in Beatrix Academy, in fact, like, I mean, it's hard to follow everything, but we, we follow like all the different initiatives even related to Ukrainian resilience now mm -hmm. in the war. Mm -hmm. It's just mind blowing. Like there are so many things going on and then, yeah, you know, that's what happened when people have this, you know, you have the self-esteem app, you show, you know, I can compete in a global work market and, and, and so on. So, so that's basically, I mean, and talking a lot about that now, but I'm like, that's really my one one of my most important drivers i think and that that's certainly what what gets you up gets you out of bed in the morning and and drives you you know even uh, you look back over the last 12 years or so the difficult times i mean you still you know your mission was what was driving you to to continue to get up every and sleep on that office floor you know <laughs> so to speak absolutely but it is uh i i have a little bit of a theory that i think you know business owners like can be just created but entrepreneurs are actually born that way. I think there's like a genetic disposition in in people that you know have that 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 genetic driver in them. And I mean, I think you're a perfect example because I mean, look back at your life. I mean, have you ever been employed or employable? You know, I mean, it's like, it's like <laughs> I, I have, you know, I started at 18 and and uh, you know, I've always started things. You know, yeah, I actually realized a while ago that I've been on. I'm basically I've interviewed like thousands of people for jobs in beetroot and but i've never been on a job interview myself like i've never been on the other <laughs> side i'm like really like maybe i should just go on some interviews to sort of see how it's like <laughs> but it's yeah you've only seen half the picture that's exactly right you don't exactly, know what they yeah. go through there you go exactly i love that i no. i so uh, the the model though with beetroot is are they are they virtually beetroot employees that you're contracting out or are you placing them as employees of other companies or is that kind of a mix of both? It's like, I mean, they're directly connected to beetroot. So they're full-time beetroot contracted in, in, in different ways and, and forms. And then, but, but essentially like when we work, when we work long time with, and, and most of our clients are actually long time. That's one of the reasons why mm -hmm. we've been able to keep, you know, stable and even growing a little bit through this in crazy because right when you work like for years with the same people uh that becomes also part of your team so it's like we we never really had this sort of like yours our team is like we have we build a beetroot environment an ecosystem where we give you know all the support we can <laughs> possibly but essentially when you work together with a specific client i mean we also try to help that team that those developers to become part of the mm -hmm. The client teams if it's a yeah. long-term right. term engagement so um yeah so i mean mentally i guess a little bit of both mm -hmm. actually that makes that makes sense and the way you describe that and i had is we're uh kind of wrapping up today i, I want to more respect your time and but it's getting later in the day but uh tell me like one or two things that are just just really like one-liners that you think you know after you run this for 12 years just lessons learned that you think would be germane to anyone that's wanting to lead a team you know lead an enterprise what would you like to have known when you started that you know now that are just one or two really key nuggets of truth there yeah 
one-liners that is well okay well i mean it's more maybe a confirmation of uh, something we made right mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't right in some of our previous businesses we were, were into but i mean personally i i've been just reconfirmed again again and again through this i mean quite challenging journey at, at times that having a clear mission that is not you becoming a multimillionaire mm. or whatever like that's really what's going to drive you in in the long term like building that community building of people who wants to go the same way as as you to want to change the same things in the world who wants mm. to that's at least i mean for me that's i, I cannot I because I, yeah i mean i kept getting these questions sometimes like what not so much now but before like so what's in it for you and like, what's like sort of what the purpose and it's like and i'm like well i mean how else would you do it like if you don't mm -hmm. have that strong mission like mm -hmm. it, it's no way you can pull through the the most difficult of times and, and and so on so yeah i mean have a mission build a culture around it and find those sort of key keepers in your team who's like always always with you on that mission as easy as it sounds, I think those are are the main things. Um, and maybe one small thing. I mean, mm -hmm. the you don't have to be the smartest in the room. I mean, we literally we started this business being twenty four years old, not knowing the country we went to or the industry we we started to work in, and we literally only had our drive and our mission, and then we united people smarter than us or better than us in, in in various fields and that's for us that's really the the success factor right and i think longevity i mean longevity especially in the midst of of the difficulties you know recently in in ukraine with the last year and a half or so but uh man it's a it is a great story to to hear about it's a great story to to be able to follow as as you you continue to grow beetroot and um is there anything that we haven't touched on? Just just a, a closing thought that you think would be helpful to our audience and uh, maybe just tell people where the best place to find more about you online. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always open for, for interaction. Uh, if you want to find me online, probably the easiest is LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. that would be just my name, Andreas Floodstrom, Beetroot. Uh, write us short notes, you know, why why you want to get in contact and that would be the easiest if you want to get in contact with beetroot it's beetroot.co for the tech consulting or beetrootacademy.com for for the academy so happy to connect well i appreciate you taking time today it is it's been great to hear the beetroot story and and um and it's uh, I, I just love the mission and vision behind it and uh, it's already getting my entrepreneurial wheels spinning and my my networking wheels spinning that there are people I need to, to put you in contact with that were other guests even on on other episodes with Rising Tide and and others in the network here but just thank you again for just taking time as we wrap up the week and just really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide Andreas thanks again have a great weekend thank you so much I hope you heard some great takeaways from our guests today. Make sure you reach out to them and thank you again for playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.